working up. Everybody's working. With that time, yours. Okay, look, we're going to just cut to the chase today. Nate's not here. Don't turn it off. No, come back. No, stop it. Don't skip. No, guys, guys, come on. It's still going to be, guys, it's still going to be a good show. Come back. Okay. Well, whoever's left, I guess, welcome to Times Ours here on The Athletic. I'm Josh Briscoe with Seth Kaiser. Nate and, and his child are, feel, have fallen ill. I feel very free. Now that we know we have got like three listeners right now. <laughs> you, there's a sense of freedom that comes. Yeah, with there that. is. You, yeah, you know that that we can say anything and not be held accountable for it because uh, because no one's listening. That seems unfair to There's ourselves. so many jokes I want to make, and none of them are okay. But they are, though, because Danielle's the only one that's going to hear them. Also, I said that Nate and... I'm still phone, listening. Uh, that's fair. All, I, honestly, is Danielle ever listening? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I said <laughs> Nate and his child have fallen ill, and we live in a time now where I feel the need to tell you I, it's probably a cult. <laughs> I don't know. I think if it was very serious, Nate would have said so, right? I feel like we're justified on that, on that assumption. Seth, you're a lawyer. Am I? Have I committed some crime? I I think uh, I think um, under the weather might be a Much, better way yes, to phrase absolutely. it. It sure Have would. A case of the sniffles. It sure would. You know, maybe there's more reassuring ways. Fallen no, I ill know. is like no. Oh. Fallen ill makes you think of the plague in normal times. Like, oh, he's he's fallen ill with with the bubonic plague. It's like, oh God. Like, no, I. <laughs> but I think sniffles. I feel I feel like Nate would have fought through sniffles. You know, so maybe. We can, we can, do you want to spend the next hour, Seth, just guessing what Nate's symptoms are currently? <laughs> you know, it can't be any worse than what we were planning on doing, right? <laughs> so Nate is not here uh, for this episode, so it'll be me, Seth, and, and Danielle to, uh, I mean, just to bail us out at some point. I don't what know was what that? that's going to I wasn't like. listening. God darn you- it, this is going to be... <laughs> A real problem. Okay, well, the good news the good news is Seth wrote. Seth has a story. There is some news that's not really, you know, like capital N news or all caps news, but like it's kind of a thing. There's a player we've all been talking about for a couple of days. That's good for something. So we are going to have a successful, full, well-rounded podcast for you here today on Times Ours, unless Seth decides to undercut me in my optimism. I believe in you. You're the only other one on the show, Seth, so you do need to talk now. I'm sorry. You trained me very well to just wait. I was just waiting. I need Nate to text <laughs> me his opinion on what you just said. And Seth, go. <laughs> How are you, Seth? We have, we, have to, we have to develop our rapport again. It's been, it's been six whole days since just you and I have talked, and I feel like I don't even know you You anymore. know what? I, I, feel like, I feel like I've changed a lot. I saved a few chickens' lives this weekend. Um... Oh, wow. You know, the problem with different age chickens and ducks is, honestly, birds are sort of jerks. They, 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 right. like, I mean, you'd f- you kind of feel bad for them because they're at the bottom delicious, of the food chain. Delicious, delicious jerks. Yeah, they're delicious, delicious jerks. Mm-hmm. You kind of feel bad for them because they're at the bottom of the food chain. And then you see how they treat anything smaller than them. And you're like, oh, okay, that's fair. You're kind of just getting your comeuppance when a coyote <laughs> eats you. You know, it's kind of like, no, you deserve this because they pick on anything small and weak. But I managed to avoid that from happening. I had a great Father's Day. Hey, happy Father's Day to uh, all the fathers out there. And happy birthday to all the dads out there. Happy belated birthday. That's, you know, sort of accurate. We're going to roll with that. So, no, life is good, man. I, I really can't complain. It's been beautiful weather up here in Minnesota. And just uh, uh, I, I took... Uh, 
we we had in honor of Father's Day, our four oldest kids were gone for one night. Um, Hell yeah! With, yeah, Congratulations. it was awesome. I didn't know it was. I didn't know it was. I don't know. It was like full on holiday like that. Yeah. I feel like this is they, well, a they vacation. Went to play, they went to play Fortnite with my dad, which is a whole nother conversation. Um, what? My dad, who's in his okay. mid 60s, has um, he's probably listening. Dad, if I got mid 60s, maybe he's in his young 60s. Love you, dad. Thank you for being a great dad. Anyway, <laughs> he's in his late 70s. And he, um, so he, he, he realized that so you said late sixties. I was like, what did he have you when he was okay, 14 calm down Briscoe? Anyway, <laughs> I, I suppose I had that coming. So he found out that they like to did. play Fortnite and this is the kind of grandpa that he is. Yeah. He bought Fortnite. Well, not bought it. You know, he downloaded it on his laptop it's, and it's learned free. how to play it. Yeah. And got like a headset. That's awesome. Just so he could hang out with his grandkids. The problem is, because these games, they are addictive, that he's kind of gotten too into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's like playing without them. That's so, great. So my mom's like, I'm like, oh, how are you? She's like, well, your father was up until 3 a.m. playing Fortnite. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and it's so it's good stuff. So, I, yeah. Here's the thing. I don't I don't know if I know what your dad sounds like. I don't know if he has like a uh, kind of kind of old man voice yet. I don't really know when that hits, but I love the idea of some 14-year-old getting killed by him in Fortnite and then having to listen to him just basically like I, I hope like turn up the grandpa-ness. <laughs> just 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 straight up like, "Oh, Sonny, back in my day, I had to build these forts by <laughs> hand. We had to do it with daylight cuz electricity hadn't been invented yet." <laughs> and then those kids get, you know, dunked on by your by your dad on Fortnite. That is something I would like to see. That feels like a funnier dice he, sketch. Yeah, like you could much. make a good sketch. He's the type of person that he would probably be more like trying to be encouraged. Oh, you almost had me. You know, something like that. Oh, that's even worse. worse. That's even worse. By far worse. (laughs) The sympathetic dunking. By far the worst of all dunkings. So, yeah. So, my weekend was great. Only had one kid. We went to the the dock on the river. We didn't fish. We Mm -hmm. fed the fish worms. (laughs) Because Lucas, who is four, he really identifies Mm -hmm. with the worms. And if you try to put them on a hook, he just loses his mind. Oh, no. Like, you're hurting the worm, but he will feed them to a fish. And so, yeah, so we just threw a bunch of tiny worms and watched the fish eat them. I tried to catch one by hand, couldn't do it. So, yeah, it was a good weekend. I think I probably also didn't enjoy impaling worms. Like, it is kind of, it's, you know, if you think about it for too long, that's kind of, it's kind of screwed up. But so were a lot of things, you know, like. You're out here trying to save chickens' lives, but if I can if I can get some chicken for lunch today, I will be <laughs> thrilled. Yep. Like it's you know that's a that's a toughie. I, it's cognitive dissonance really does come in handy sometimes. It, it absolutely does. It's just like ah yeah, but if I don't have to think about it, then nothing happens. You know, it's it's nice. You know, you know what else cognitive dissonance is good for, Seth? What? Fans who would like Jamal Adams in a Chiefs uniform. <laughs> I have to have segues like that because Nate's not here to do it for me. That's yeah. the first thing I wanted to talk to you about today. Uh, the uh, the Jets Pro Bowl safety, Jamal Adams, is he's been unhappy with the Jets forever. <laughs> like it's like just he I, I can't I think I think he got drafted and was like, nah, no, I don't like it here. But which I get also because it's the Jets. But he, uh, Adam Schefter, put out a, a list of, of reported, a short list of, of teams he would reportedly welcome a trade to. And it was a bunch of contenders, basically, which included the Chiefs. It should never be surprising now, which is going to be weird to say the sentence, but it should never be surprising whenever a player decides, you know what, I would like to go play for the 
reigning Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. Mm. But it's still it's still weird to acknowledge that. And it was still one of seven teams up on the short list. So from from the Chiefs perspective, you see Jamal Adams once out. You see that he would welcome a trade to the Chiefs, which, by the way, he doesn't have a no trade clause, but he can decide where he wants to sign long term. Yes. So he does have some power there. He does have some leverage there. I've seen some people kind of confused by that. Um, so there's that's sort of the logic of it. What did you think whenever you saw that? And do you think uh, you think that there, that's worth exploring if you're Brett Veach? Um, you know, I think Brett Veach is willing to explore anything, right? He he tends to be a mover and a shaker. He seems to constantly look for anything he can do. Um I would just say, obviously, there's a money issue here, right? Now, one of the things mm-hmm. Adam said is, like, he would be willing, I think, to go to one of these teams, which it looks like, as far as I can tell, he just looked up the teams with the best odds to win the Super Bowl and just said, <laughs> really I'll go to yeah. any of these eight teams. Um, yeah. But he said he would do it without signing an extension, which mm-hmm. kind of puts it, makes it a little easier, right? Yes. Um, yes. And so that's at least taking a look at, but odds are, you know, they're not going to be willing to trade him for something if it's going to be a one-year rental. Yep. You know, a first-round pick for something like that, that's not great. Even with an excellent safety like Adams, who's really versatile, can do all sorts of things. I think the Chiefs should at least try to figure it out. You know, no reason not to. Let's say let's say you bring him in for a year to see how it goes. You extend Kelsey to get create a little more wiggle room under the cap. You get Jones assigned to an extension to, to get wiggle room under the cap for this year. And then you just see how it goes. And it's like, well, but then you gotta figure out next year. Yeah, let's figure out next year after we win another Super Bowl. How about that? Mm-hmm. Let's let's mm-hmm. win a second Super Bowl in a row and then we'll worry about next year. I don't know. Maybe I'm the crazy one. I, if if these times in the last few months have taught us anything, Josh. You, people got to stop worrying so much about the future. And it's like, <laughs> yes, right. but what about eight years from now? Well, look, man, I, I'll we'll all be running from the zombies at that point. So let's, right. let's win a few Super Bowls before then. And so I think they should definitely be interested in Inquire, especially because of how good a safety group they already have, at least with their top two safeties. Um, and and the, the creativity Spagnolo shown with that group. So a couple of a couple of things. First of all, to your uh, to your point there in the middle, uh, I was watching a video today that was talking about like the election or something. And like, look, I know thinking about November is really hard because I'm not even sure if I can think about Thursday right now. I'm not sure I believe in Thursdays at this point because like, who knows? Like, we just might not get there. Uh, so I think that that you know a little a little more uh, devil may care for the cap for the cap situation. Also, sounds like you're kind of longing for the days of John Dorsey. So you know, you got to think there's a balance in there probably, right? Um, but but on on Jamal Adams, his fifth year option the Jets did pick up, which would be next offseason. Like he would play 2020 and then 2021 would be about a $10 million cap hit. Franchise tag is out there. Like they're, they're, the price goes up, but there are options for non-long-term deals. Also, though, a guy leaving because of a contract dispute, maybe he would play under one year, but expect to have a long-term deal next year. Maybe he wouldn't be uh, terribly thrilled about a franchise tag on all of that. It, it seems a bit contentious, but I think you're right. If if the Jets, and as far as we can tell, this is not the case, but if the Jets were like, hey, you know what? I'm I'm a, I'm over it. We'll take what we can get from whoever. And if no one's offering, you know, more than a third round pick, then the Chiefs could send out as their late second, theoretically, and then have them for a year and figure it out at that point. It's just that is 
we, I think we feel very similarly about the salary cap and draft picks as being things that people tend to overvalue. But I think there has to be some, there has to be some sort of cutoff point where you'd say, this is what he's worth if we're going to give him the long-term deal, kind of Frank Clark it, honestly, or this is what he's worth if we're going to just bring him in for a year and then, then figure it out as we go. Um, I don't know. Is, do you, are you comfortable putting a value on any of those? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't either, honestly. Like, I mean, it's kind I, of it's kind of ambiguous. It is. It is. It, it, it all the the it depends answer is not a super popular one, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. you know it's 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 so ambiguous. But it, that really is. It depends. Um, if, if it is like, oh, you know, there's not as much interest as they thought. So they're willing to give him away for a second rounder. I would give a second rounder for Adams for a one year rental with the possibility of keeping him around because it provides you with a nice problem to have. Um, yes, there's potential that that could annoy like Chris Jones, like, man, you're bringing in another big name. What about me? Cause look, just, I know we've got to talk about Jones at a certain point here, but you talk about someone who's done everything quote unquote the right way. Right. Mm -hmm. All Mm -hmm. the way that people always say, well, play it out, you know, do your job, show up, don't hold out. He's done everything right. He's been elite. He's he's done everything right. So I can see why that would get annoying. But communication generally saves relationships where you can meet with a guy, say, look, we really do want to keep working on your contract. This isn't going to affect you at all. We're going to rent this dude for a year. We want to run it back. We want to win another Super Bowl. We want you to be a part of that. We still want you here long term. That's just why we're doing this. We want to win another Super Bowl this year. Usually. Communication can save relationships in that way. And so I would attach a value of a second round pick if it's a one-year rental. Um, I don't really know another way they could do it, right? I don't think you could do a long-term deal with him right now because with Mahomes and Jones, you've got two guys. And so as long as it doesn't cost you Jones, and I don't think it needs to, I mean, you could do it. But yes, now you're talking, you've put yourself in a weird spot in the salary cap. But... As some people have pointed out to me online, people who know a little more about this type of money stuff, you know, you can, if you if you, if you have Adams, you can release Sorensen, which saves you $4 million or so, and then you you redo Kelsey's deal. You know, the money could be found, right? So it could definitely think, be found for 2020. That's like inarguable, I think. Yes, for 2020. And then, you know, is it like a devil may care thing? Because you, you, you talk about John Dorsey. The biggest mistake Dorsey made wasn't the level of contracts, wasn't the size of them. It was it was it was who he paid, right? Yeah. You, you had some bigger yeah. deals that shouldn't have gone out. He hurt himself more on the medium sized deals to players who didn't really deserve medium sized deals, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's where you end up in trouble over time. Honestly, I think you really should be in a situation with most of the time in the NFL where you've got like about six to eight guys that you've got on huge deals, and then you figure it out. You know, rookie guys, um, guys that are, you know, mid-level guys that you've managed to bring in on a prove it year, that type of thing. So I would be all for it, but it would definitely take a ton of finagling and it would make things complicated. But holy crap, would that be fun to watch in 2020? Yeah. And I do want to like, I I do want to entertain that ever so slightly. The one thing, though, that again, I'm not trying to generally overvalue draft picks, but I would say for me, the cutoff of expectations typically happens after the second round. And again, this is not fair because we have seen a year of both of these guys, but I wouldn't trade Juan Thornhill and McCole Hardman, I don't think, for what, for what I wouldn't, for one year of Jamal Adams. Because I'm also trying to play that long game at least a little bit and sure. I appreciate the value of Thornhill over years 
Hartman in 2020, I would I would swap him for Jamal Adams in 2020 and not hesitate about it because I think Adams would have a better, a larger impact on the field because they, you know, they brought back Sammy Watkins. But what does the offense look like in 2021? I don't know. I, again, I know that can get you can get caught in the weeds on that one. Um, but yeah, can you can you give a, a brief look in in what interests you in terms of what how fun it would be on the field, how he fits? You mentioned Sorensen. We saw uh, obviously Kendall Fuller ended up playing safety last year. Tyron Matthew can move up into the slot. I, I'm I've said this a couple times on the radio this week. The Chiefs would have no trouble at all keeping Matthew Adams and, and, and Thornhill all on the field together. Absolutely not. Yeah, they they would have no issue with that whatsoever. They would all play the vast majority of the snaps, if not virtually 100% of them. The the thing about um, every one of these guys is they have unique skill sets. Thornhill is probably the most pigeonholed of all of them. Um, I've, mm-hmm. I've seen people talk about moving Thornhill to corner. I don't like that idea. I don't think... Oh, uh, um, really? Who said that? Uh, people on Twitter. Okay. Yeah, I don't. Th- I just the don't think thing- I've seen that anywhere. Yeah, really. And the, there's a reason. Really? Okay. I just. I'm sorry. I'm just genuinely. I don't even mean to ask who said that because last time I asked who told you something, we had a big fight. But uh, I just haven't. I just haven't heard. Like Matthew plays a lot of slot. Why would Thornhill play? Corner. I'm, well, I'm because probably he accidentally it. stepping on somebody's head right now, but I... No, no, you're not. He, he played it somewhat in college, and so a lot of people, you know, when he was drafted, people talked about the versatility and all that, and that's great. But the thing with Thornhill is... less he, true for him than the other... Okay, that's fine. Go ahead. It's not my stance. I don't know why you're fighting no, me. No, I know. I just legit <laughs> had not seen anyone say that, and so I, that's me being genuinely surprised by a take. It's like, what if the Chiefs just put Tyree Killett running back? It's like, well, hold on. I don't know. Probably not, right? <laughs> I don't know. Now you have my attention on that. And yeah, that's I, actually that's actually fair. Yeah. Um, it would be like, what if they just put Sammy Watkins at running back there? How about that? Um, oh, you know what? That's not that fair. That is Watkins. not fair. Don't. That was Danielle, Danielle, thing. can you I have a, I have a production request. I don't want to say anything else. I just would like for you to bleep what Seth said. This should all stay in, but I think you should yes. just give it a censored bleep. And so people can never know. And it will sound worse than what he actually said. Perfect. Uh, yeah. Got and it. So everyone knows it's <laughs> not you, profanity I said that got bleeped. It's no, it was, a, it was an offensive it's, take. It's never that. Anyway, so the thing with Thornhill is he's <laughs> he's the he's a deep safety guy, right? He he's at yeah. his best playing in the deep portion of the field. Um he's not his his phone booth quickness isn't exceptional like like Matthews is. That's why in man coverage against quicker receivers, that's not really his game, but he's got exceptional speed and exceptional range. So he's at his best on the back end. What makes it interesting and one of the reasons why you can move them all around so much is, yes, you can move Thornhill around to varying safety spots. That's great. So that helps. But the biggest thing is that Matthew and Adams are both guys who can play basically different positions and be elite in those positions. So you always hear about Mm -hmm. putting safeties at like a hybrid linebacker type spot. Mm -hmm. Adams can play that and be elite at it. Like Eric Berry in the box type thing, right? Yep. Yep. Um, yep. And so that that provides, you know, if you're on in some kind of, you know, various types of nickel look, you can put him in that spot and you have the three on the field and you've got an elite player everywhere. Or you can have Adams playing strong safety instead of Matthew, put Matthew in the slot and you still have three players who are elite everywhere. Right. And yes, yep. I'm calling Thornhill elite. That might be a bit of a stretch, but I think he's getting. Yeah, there. that's fair. Yeah, sure. And, 
And so because of the unique skill sets of Adams and Matthew, you can literally put them at different positions and just rotate where those positions are. And it's a beautiful thing. And so I I think they would be able to have all three on the field virtually all the time, have easily the best safety group in the NFL. I think there's an argument to be made that with Matthew Thornhill and Sorensen, they might be the best safety group in the NFL. Um, And now you're swapping out Sorensen for a superstar. So I, I yep. would love to see it. I think it provides with a ton of different things. Adam's an excellent pass rusher. He's great against the run. He can do all sorts of different things that would really help the defense. It would be a lot of fun to watch. I don't see it happening, but I would enjoy it. Yeah. And we'll talk more about what you're looking for in the defense in year two regardless. Um, one other thing, though, you mentioned Chris Jones. If yes. you're looking at long-term deals, it seems like the Chiefs are going to say are saying, we're going to get Mahomes' deal done. And then we'll figure out where we're at with Chris Jones. Um, I'm not sure if that's a good sign because I don't know that it has to go in that order. But I understand that you definitely have to get Mahomes done. Obviously, no, right. no fighting on that one. Um, but but if if Jamal Adams and some people are like, what if you just did a straight up trade? Uh, maybe I mean, player for player trades like that are super duper rare in the NFL. Yeah. But you know, if you were going to say, hey, two guys that want to get paid at different spots, you know, the Chiefs have. Really been investing in the safety position. Chris Jones, the Jets, I'm sure would love to have. Um, if you're if you're either doing it in a the, the player for player trade sense, which again I find remarkably unlikely, or in the long term, hey, we we trade for Jamal Adams and pay him long term. Chris Jones plays out this year under the franchise tag and then leaves. If in whatever way you need to get there, Seth, it ends up being a this is a move that costs you Chris Jones. Does that, how, how does that impact your, your feelings on it? If I had to pick between the two players, right, just straight up, mm-hmm. I'd take Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Adams is really valuable. Uh, excellent player. He's not just a safety. However, I don't think, and this is only just watching him here and there, right? This is not based on mm-hmm. in-depth film study. It's based on watching him a few times. But I don't think he wrecks games quite the same way that Jones does. I think I, mean, I, I think that that's almost I think that's almost objectively true. I would argue right, and, and and so I think it's it's just difficult because Jones isn't just an elite player; he's elite at a very specific thing, right? Yep. And yep. and that ability to take over games is something that's really hard to find on defense, like really really hard to find on defense, and you can almost only get it from pass rushers for the most mm-hmm. part. And mm-hmm. so even though we're in a time where it looks like coverage is probably more valuable on a snap-by-snap basis and all that, you and I have talked about this before, things that are more valuable in the aggregate when you're a Super Bowl contender, if you think all else is at least close to equal, it might be more important to get the thing that in short bursts is more valuable. And that's where pass mm-hmm. rush comes in handy because pass rush can wreck a game in a way coverage can't always do it. And so mm-hmm. that's where I would take Jones. So if, if, if it had to cost you someone, I would take Jones because I really do think he is one of the best three pass rushers in the NFL at any position. Yeah. Maybe maybe the best three or four. And that's just, that's tough to let go of that. And I had somebody tweet in with, with like clearly showing they've been listening for a while because we were talking about this uh, last offseason about generally as a starting point, preferring investment in coverage to investment in pass rush. And that is right. still my baseline for uh, building a defense. In this instance, Jamal Adams isn't 
it's not it's not you know Jalen Ramsey even as we're still learning more about how erratic cornerback like uh, play can be I'm using Jalen Ramsey for this where it's it's not the corner that erases another player not that Jamal Adams can't do a lot of things incredibly well regardless though specifically to the Chiefs here Jamal Adams could do everything you said the versatility or let's make it again like Dan Sorensen's role but it's better in every way plus the versatility I think mm-hmm. that improvement is significantly less than if you're going to add Chris Jones and have him take the starting role away from Colin Saunders or something. You know what I mean? Like right. the, the the opportunity cost there, I just think is tremendous. And so if you if you said, hey, would you rather have the 10th best interior defensive lineman or the 10th best corner or even maybe safety in football, I would take the defensive back. But that's not what we're doing here. We're talking about Chris Jones as a top three interior pass rusher. And I don't know where that drop off actually is. I'm making it 10 because that feels pretty safe. But, you know, it, it's also like, uh, I, I don't know if Jalen Ramsey is the most valuable secondary player in the sport. You know, I, I think here there would be a lot of people that, would, that might start arguing for Tyron Matthew. And I'm not really like here to fight about it. But I would trade any non-quarterback for Aaron Donald, even though I think he's in a position that is not always as valuable as he makes it, if that makes sense. It absolutely does. And what you're what you're kind of talking about is the difference between player versus position. Because, yeah. yes, all else being equal, positional value should hold sway. But not all things are equal necessarily all the time because it's not just about how good you are on a sliding scale of 1 to 10. It's also about fit. It's also about the team around you and all that sort of stuff. And I think you make a really good point when you talk about like Jones coming in and replacing Colin Saunders. I wonder how people would feel if somehow it it became apparent that like like Fletcher Cox was available mm-hmm. for the Chiefs to pick up. Mm-hmm. People would lose their mm-hmm. minds, right? Right. They would be unbelievably excited about everything he could do as a pass rusher. And then you remember that Jones is a better pass rusher. Yeah, I, the, I would not be that excited. <laughs> well, and that and that's the thing, because it's kind of, you know, what's the whole, you know, they pay paradise to put up a parking lot. You know, you, you, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. The thing that you have inherently doesn't feel as valuable as the thing that you could get, right? Think, yeah. Shiny new things yeah. are fun. And, and I just think, like, if all else were equal and you were starting a team from scratch, I'd be willing to bet you most people who know the sport would pick Jones over Adams. And that's no detriment to Adams as a player. It's just the position Jones plays and the way in which he plays it give him just a little bit more value, I think. Although it's worth noting that over time, you'd probably pay Adams a fairly significantly less amount of money. That's true. And that's a good wrinkle of it. Um, But I think that's all... I, I I do think that has elevated the conversation about the Chiefs and Jamal Adams and what else could you possibly ask for? Uh, I got to tell you though, what Seth? That segment, I'm parched. I am I am exhausted. That was a great conversation with only just you and I here and no Nate to carry the show. I feel like I've got a workout in, and you know what? I said I'm parched, but I'm not. Actually, I feel great. I'm levitating out of my chair. What the hell? Hydrant. You too can have these superpowers. That's not that's not in the copy. That one was just me. Look, we've been talking about hydrant on this show now for a number of weeks. I, I don't know if this is officially endorsed by hydrant or not. I took a lime flavored one today and I mixed it in with some lemonade. Ooh. It was next I it was next level. It was delicious. 
And it was uh, nutritious and it was hydrating because uh, like you're, you, you listener, you with the earbuds in. Yeah, I see you. You're probably dehydrated chronically and hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets that you can mix directly into your water or I'm telling you lemonade if you want to be a little bad to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs, sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc. They help you, help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. It's backed by research, not just the research that I did in the kitchen earlier, but the formula itself was developed by Oxford scientists to provide a perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There's no synthetic colors, no artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavors or the variety pack. I have worked my way through the entire variety variety pack. I think blood orange is my favorite, but I like this little lemon lime creation that I've made. That's next level. And Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You can save even more with a monthly subscription. And you go, wow, that's a lot of savings. What a great deal for this great product. I guess that's all the 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 deals we're getting. I think that's all the percentage we're, we're chopping off of this. Hey, Seth, do you think that's true? Do you think there's no more deals remaining? Do you think there's, there's, there's probably no not a promo that's code? that's true. I wouldn't believe it for a second. You can get 25% off your first order if you go to drinkhydrant.com slash time. That's drinkhydrant.com slash time for 25% off your first order. Drinkhydrant.com slash T-I-M-E. How do you feel, Seth? Are you are you broken out into a full sweat? I dying feel over there? borderline hydrated just listening to it. Now, that's not <laughs> me recommending that people should just listen to it because they should buy the product. Because the amount of hydrated you feel just hearing about how hydrated Josh yeah. is, double yeah. that, triple that, quadruple yeah. that. And that's where you could be. You've seen Flubber, right? That's all. That's that's just the question. I just wanted to put that question out there. You know, you know Flubber. <laughs> you know how bouncy Flubber is. That's just those are your those are your 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 tendons now with hydrant. Your 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 tendons. Hold on, I'm gonna read the next part of this copy. This is new, Daniel. Like this is a new edition that I just saw you added this week. If you drink hydrant, all of your tendons and bones will be made out of Flubber. Is that good? Actually, do we want that? I'm not. I don't. Huh. I mean, I would. I would. Try it. Unless it turned into like the Harry Potter, you know, the Harry Potter thing where he gets a spell and makes his arm all wobbly and everything. That seems bad. So I don't think it's recommended. <laughs> no, probably not. All right. Well, you, you know what? Let's say go ahead. Anything, but just say it, but in a good way. Right? Yeah, be like flubber, exactly but in right. a good way. There it is. <laughs> this is our last hydrant ad. Hi, uh, drinkhydrant.com slash time. Good work, everybody. <laughs> Uh, Seth, here's something we're definitely qualified to talk about, and really, I just want to take your temperature on this issue. I said that before the show, and it wasn't a pun intended situation. This time it is. Uh, Around 10 teams have COVID cases, reportedly. Uh, The NFLPA has told players they should stop working out together. Uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci said he's worried that the NFL might not be able to happen if they can't do their own version of the NBA's bubble, which also has its own issues coming in already. The NFL cannot do their own bubble for a long list of reasons that we may talk about, but like it's a hundred plus people per team for like six months. So that's the main issue, I would say. Um, And the NFL is pushing forward. They've got their own doctors and making plans and whatnot. But I would say, I would I would argue at least, uh, this has not been a great week or so in terms of the country trying to get sports to happen. 
It's not really I a question, but fair. you have to talk because Nate's not here. Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, like you said, the the lack our lack of qualifications on addressing this subject adequately cannot possibly be overstated, <laughs> right? That doesn't there stop is, anybody else, though. I mean, no, that's no, true it doesn't for stop like anybody else. I wish it so did. many people. I, I, I really too. wish it did. Now that said, I'm going to be part of the problem here. Oh. The the best thing I can think of is you know like the bubble idea. I think I get it because then the idea is you don't end up with some sort of like you know mass event type deal where a bunch of people get infected all at once because that's the thing we're trying to avoid right that's the reason Mm -hmm. for the 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 shutdown orders that's the reason for masks now is it's kind of and correct me if i'm wrong here josh because you and i have looked into this a lot as best i can tell what everyone is seems to agree on is look it's a virus it's gonna make its way through society it's going to right as of now we have no way of Mm -hmm. stopping that we want it to happen at a slow pace, right? Like a slow, yes, manageable you know, The only pace. other thing I would add is just that part of the reason for all of the stay-at-home orders that I would add to that, not to change it, but to add, yeah. was that so the government would have more time to up things like testing and have better infrastructure in place whenever we all came out of our houses. And that, frankly, has not really happened, at least at the pace of other countries. Uh, but that's the other thing that I would, I would just add to that. Sure, the idea that testing would become more readily available. And, stuff. and you got to remember, mm-hmm. I, I'm in Minnesota, and I can go get tested in 10 minutes if I want to. So things have gone wow, fairly really? well here. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you got to remember, okay. living in a rural area, things are different, right? Sure. You mm-hmm. just don't get run over by things the same way. Now, the extra time helps. Except but for it, it's just That's just the way it works. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, just as a corollary effect of a lot of the stuff that's gone on. If you don't see people, I mean, I understand people like living in big cities because they like having things to do and stuff. But I got to tell you, I, I'm here to stand for small town living. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, this is, you know, it's a side of, it's a side benefit that I never really thought about before. But in the event of a nationwide pandemic, it's hard mm-hmm. to find a better place to be than small town Minnesota. You know what I mean? Right. So, right. With with regards to the NFL, I agree the bubble thing is problematic. Now, there are places that I think it could be done, you know, and they happen to have like an NFL team in Vegas, right? Mm-hmm. Like a place mm-hmm. that's designed to where you could fit thousands and thousands of people. But it's problematic. It's not easy yeah. to do because in addition to having massive teams, you also have a lot more. There's like a group of like 500 people that float around that are kind of like free agents that get signed by various teams. Like, do you just bring all those people? Like, how do you, yeah. how do, you do it? That yeah. said, there's like between 13 to 18 billion dollars on the line. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that's a lot of money. And I think they're going to try everything humanly possible to get there. And so. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I, I would still be surprised at this point if something happened. I think, you know, I think you're going to have probably not very many fans or you're going to have fans, you know, wearing masks that are mandatory and everything that comes with that. As as far as the actual season being canceled, the, the thing that I keep coming back to, and I understand you've got training camp that would be starting here in like a month and a half. A lot can happen in a month and a half, right? For good or for bad. And I... I just can't figure out how to project 
what things will look like in a month and a half. And, and I, I use that word project very intentionally because every time anyone's tried to project anything one way or another with this, they've been wrong. And not just like sort of wrong, but really, really, really wrong. And that kind of goes in favor of both arguments. One argument being, man, it really might not happen. One argument being that it will. The argument that it might not happen is like, everything's been wrong. We really don't freaking know anything, right? That's scary. I don't want to proceed without knowledge. And then on the other hand, you could argue that, well, things have generally not been as bad as they've been projected. If you look at in a document that I talked about before we started recording was the, uh, the, the CDC's pandemic planning scenarios document that they released. It was about a month ago now, right? And it was with their most updated numbers. And I shared that on Twitter. I've kind of tried to stay out of this because again, I'm super underqualified to talk about this. But I did share that document in part because the information it contained in terms of fatality rates and level of hospitalization rates and stuff was a lot less scary than we thought it was in April. Here's the thing I need people to remember. Just because it's less scary doesn't mean it's not still really bad, right? Like, we, we can make the distinction there, right, Josh? Like, like not as bad doesn't mean it's okay. And so when I look at that and I look at the 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 hospitalization rates, fatality rates, the projected things they have based on the best information they had available at the time, which now we're a month later, so who knows now. I see a path forward with caution. Now, I think, and this is where I'll kick it back to you, do you see the NFL being capable of procedurally making that happen in a way that's cautious and takes into account numbers? Because that's where I kind of get a little leery. Well, Seth, I'm sure you said something beautiful and pontificating there, but I didn't hear almost any of it because <laughs> right around when you said <laughs> Vegas, I lost internet from, or you lost internet. Because Danielle and I were then talking like, do you think he's still talking? And then you went on for like two or three more minutes. So I'm going to assume by the magic of editing that you said something wonderful. Um, I'm going to add just like one one thing from uh, from Tom Habistro, who I think this was from like Friday, but he, he was tweeting about Florida's current uh, test numbers getting way worse. Like June 6th, 2% of tests were positive. June 18th, 15% of tests were positive, And they actually tested less people by a little bit in the, in the June 18th run. Um, positive result rates. And this is D- Disney World surrounding area f- because of the NBA's bubble plan right now. Orange County, 15%. Seminole, 18%. Uh, the, uh, they're all in the, the tens and teens. The, the thing I thought was interesting is he said the World Health Organization recommends a less than 5% positive test rate for at least two weeks before reopening. And again, this is just the NBA trying to get into that, into Orange County, I think. I think it's Orange County. Yeah, it is Orange County. Um, to set up their bubble, basically. And that's sort of my concern at this point is as positive rates go up, it's going to continue then spreading as more people have it and then pass it along. And you just can't have any false negatives when you're entering a bubble because then the bubble's now contaminated and everything is very uh, problematic. So I, I think that I think that we're going to see Every effort possible made by sports leagues, because I did hear you say something about billions of dollars and yes. that part, that part made it through my headphones and also into my brain. And, and frankly, <laughs> like I was surprised, 
I was surprised when they canceled March Madness, and that was before we knew anything. Like, we know more now. There's still a lot we don't know. We know way more now. And I was surprised they canceled March Madness because there's a lot of right. money there, a lot of TV deals and everything. So Absolutely. Um, and I think you make a good point in terms of what we don't know. Um, yeah. And one, of, and one of the things I said it's that you probably It's a new science. Like, that's yeah. people, like, it's wild. It's never been, you know, like, like projections on, on infectious diseases has been around for a while, right? But it's never been mm. the first story on the news. You know what I mean? Like, you know, mm-hmm. even like when swine flu happened, bird flu, SARS, all that stuff, th- it was there, but it was a corollary thing because it wasn't as infectious a disease and there wasn't anticipation of it spreading as far. So it wasn't like the lead story, right? And right. so I think the uncertainty involved, it gets a lot of people twitchy for lack of a better word. Because they don't mm-hmm. like uncertainty. But the problem is there's just a necessary amount of uncertainty. And you make a good point with, with what we don't know. We just don't know. There's a lot that we don't know. We know more now, but there's still a crap load that we don't know. And it's that that risk assessment factor that becomes a really, really, really big deal. And I don't have a right answer. Um, you know, I'm in favor of football, obviously, because I think in, ta- in hard times we need distractions. But I'm not the one that's going to be asked to... Maybe bring my family with me, but move into, you know, a bubble for six months. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's easy for me to say, yeah, you should do that. Um, and it's not my stuff that's at stake. So it's really easy. It's kind of like, you know, it, it's real easy to take risks with other people's money. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm really curious what happens because, like you said, numbers in terms of positive tests are going up like crazy. Um and we're probably not going to know more about the whether or not we've gotten better at dealing with serious case rates and hospitalizations mm-hmm. and all that until a couple of weeks down the road, right? Because there's that delayed reporting right. period. And so, right. you know, hopefully, holy crap, hopefully we learn some lessons from the things that happened with nursing homes and stuff the first time around. And maybe things will come out of this looking like, okay, maybe it's manageable. But that tends to be me being kind of like a sunny disposition type of fella. Because so far, yeah. so far, this hasn't come up well most no. times. No, it's been it's been not great. Yeah, and a sunny disposition is not sort of one of my particular crosses to bear. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. So I guess we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I, think, I think that's a great. Yeah, that's fair. That's a great ending on something we're so woefully un- un- unqualified to talk about. Is I guess we'll see. Yep. Yeah, I guess we'll see. It's just uh, our our version of first take is just your sunny disposition and my general pessimism about <laughs> anything being handled competently. But hey, you know what, Seth? Sometimes you can have a bad situation and it can get turned around whenever it's put into the right hands. Whenever the right people are in charge of something that really needs a rejuvenation, maybe an entire reimagining, maybe needs to be torn down and built back up all the way from the ground level, sometimes that works out. And that's what Steve Spagnuolo did with the Chiefs defense last year. Seth, you've written about <laughs> Steve Spagnuolo's defense in The Athletic at theathletic.com. If you're not a subscriber yet, go to uh, theathletic.com slash timesars for 40% off your first year. And uh, you wrote about what you can expect in year two of Spags's defense. I'm continuing to feel great pride in my segues. Why don't you tell us about Spags' defense, something you are qualified to talk about and I'm qualified to ask questions about. Absolutely. And so uh, the article I wrote, I'm just going to let you know up front, uh, dear listener, it is a beast. There is lots here, man. I'm still scrolling, going through. It's 
It's I just I just had my browser check it. It's nine million words. <laughs> exactly. Nine million words, 485 <laughs> video clips. Okay, this none of this is true, people. Just to be clear. Um, and so basically what I did is I, I went position group by position group to kind of break down who left, who stayed, and and you know who maybe they brought in. And here's the big thing that I would say. The Chiefs on defense, much like the Chiefs on offense, they really valued continuity. Mm-hmm. The biggest contributor they lost was Kendall Fuller. And, and mm-hmm. okay, please don't come at me with your Emmanuel Agba takes, okay? No, uh, people, no, I respect no. <laughs> the hustle. I do. And he played well. But you got to remember, they lost him around, it was like week 10, week 11, and they played their best it defense was- after that. It, it was actually later than that. I think it was week 15. But Week 15. Week no, sorry. Th- no, no, no. That was Okafor. Okafor was, was 15. You're right. You're right. right. I'm sorry Okafor, for ever doubting I you. think Okafor was back for various snaps, too, in the playoffs. Agba, see, Agba and Okafor, they were pretty interchangeable. That's part of why they're going to be fine, right? Okafor, Okafor also player. definitely wasn't back any part in the playoffs. He had a torn peck also. He watched oh, the yeah. Super Bowl with his mom. Oh, he just wrote about that in the star. Yes, torn pec. Okay, now I'm all caught up. Both of them See, had again, torn this, pecs, which is another thing that they have in common. This is where this is where this is where writing this long an article, you forget details. But yeah, so it's okay. I got you. That's what I'm here. Losing for. Agba that matters, but they've got a solid defensive line rotation with the edges. They're going to be fine there. They played their best defense once he was gone, not because he was gone, but because other factors were much more important in their success. Their biggest loss was Kendall Fuller, and you got to remember, Kendall Fuller is a guy who kind of midway through the year. He started playing safety snaps before Juan Thornhill got hurt because Tyron Matthew mm-hmm. largely replaced him as their slot mm-hmm. corner. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't call it a, de- a demotion per se, and Randy Reed certainly never did, and Steve Spagnuolo certainly never did, and I know they have all the respect in the world for Kendall Fuller, but they found a guy who could do that job better, and they gave Fuller an easier job. So I don't know what you'd call that, but the point is, They largely have most of their people around. And so I wrote a little bit as to, you know, maybe some changes I think they might make. The the short story, and there's a bunch of quotes from defensive assistants in there, is that they're going to spend this time. They've done the install, right? They've got the basic defense down. Now it's time to start refining things and start doing the the little things better. And I think you're going to see a more organized and efficient defense because they don't have to spend the first year learning it anymore. Yeah. I I want I do before you get dug in on those things I I do want to ask you just sort of uh, two positional group questions and again you've written about all of it so people can go read it Um, but but what's the group right now that you think you are most concerned about I know also again not a lot has changed they obviously brought in some guys to the draft and everything but but what position group are you most nervous about and then what position group do you think has a chance to take a step forward based on the personnel of those two and then we'll get to some of the scheme stuff. Sure. The the group that I'm the most nervous about remains cornerback. Um, yeah. they, they, they've got... That's, that is correct, by the way. Good job. Ding. <laughs> they've got Bashad Breeland, Charveris Ward, and Rashad Fenton uh, returning. So their three mm-hmm. p- primary contributors at cornerback down the stretch are back. However, there's not a lot of depth. Um, Fuller's gone. Claiborne's gone. They, there's really no depth, right? Like their first man mm-hmm. up is like Antonio Hamilton, probably. Yeah. Um, or yeah. Legereus Sneed, who's a rookie. There's not yep. much depth there. And if you get injuries, that's going to be problematic. And while Tyron Matthew can cover some of that, you don't want to have to do things by necessity. You want to do things by mm-hmm. choice. So there's mm-hmm. some concerns there for sure. And, and there's also, you know, 
these are all guys who who played maybe better than people expected last year. And it's hard to count on that happening two years in a row at a position like corner where play can vacillate so wildly one year to the next. What about what about you? What you're feeling good about? And oh. is it linebacker? <laughs> um, I I feel really ev- crud. The safeties, the defensive front. Step up, I feel- step up. I'm a, a different. But one, year one to year two. Like what what do you feel better about right now, position group wise, than you did at the end of the Super Bowl, basically? Oh well, you said not linebacker, so I can't say that. No, I said, is it linebacker? Because you, oh, yeah, I it, want you to get the answers right. Here. Isn't linebacker? So this is what happens. Oh no, because I think everything else is probably the. It's about the same. Everything else is very close, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I do think it's linebacker, yes, but a lot of that's going to depend on a guy's getting a, accustomed to the system, which, you know, Hitchens had a mm-hmm. few years in it now. Um, Wilson will be in his second year, which I think should help. Um, my big thing is whether or not Willie Gay Jr. can come along in the role as a coverage backer, which is a lot to ask of a rookie. And so a lot's going to fall on him, but I can say that it's a much more talented group with his inclusion. And even if it takes him half the year to kind of get into the swing of things, adding that much talent is a big deal. So linebacker, I do feel better about, but just keep in mind, he's a rookie. You're probably going to see some struggles early. Uh, Okay, so let's do some of the scheme stuff and then you sort of referred to what are you looking for in terms of of this is something that maybe we started seeing late in the year that maybe we see more of throughout sure. 2020 or or anything in that kind of like, oh, here's what I'm looking for from Spags in year two. I think you're going to start seeing more stuff that we anticipated from him coming into it. He They did hmm. run quite a few stunts, twists, and other defensive line movements to generate pass rush. I think you're going to see more and more of it, and you're going to see it done better and better. That's a timing thing, right? It takes mm-hmm. practice, it takes reps, it takes working together to understand exactly how to move and when to do it, to learn to like feel it. I think you're going to see more of that. I think you're going to continue to see him get more and more, I don't know, whatever word you want to use, fancy with coverages. Mm-hmm. You're going to see more right. weird, you know, cover six looks that, you know, have announcers getting the coverage wrong and that sort of thing. I right. think you're just going to see more disguises, more fancy defense. You're going to see more trickery. It's just because now you're not just trying to teach them the basic defense and just get them to execute it correctly. Now it's, okay, you know the basic defense. Let's add a wrinkle. Let's add a layer. Let's let, let let's disguise some coverages and have guys rotate in and out because now we trust you to do it more. I think in part with that, you're going to see more zone coverage as well because every year that you learn you know, your responsibilities in the various zones, you get more and more trust there. So those are the things I expect to see a little bit differently. But if there's one thing Spagnolo showed us last year, it's that he will adapt as the year moves along to what yes. his guys are doing. And so that yeah. that's the thing that gives me the most hope. And it's one reason I'm not as worried about cornerback as I was this time last year, even though the position group is technically a little bit weaker. One thing he mentioned in one of his press availabilities um, during the whole virtual OTAs and everything, he said that he spent a lot of time at the beginning of last year figuring out what his guys could do and couldn't do, which... You know, like I don't I'm not trying to put, you know, Darren Lee's family could be listening to this podcast right now. And I'm not really trying to put Darren Lee on blast. But like we saw we saw Darren Lee not be able to do everything they thought he might be able to do in the defense. And then again, maybe you learn that that Reggie Ragland could do a little more than you were asking him to do. I, I use Ragland because Spags has mentioned Ragland several times this offseason, um, or at least I've noticed it what feels like several times. 
so I, I think that's interesting as well. Um, what are you what are you willing to expect in terms of how much better the defense can get? Because one thing I, I do think to to I guess sort of preemptively add, not not every adjustment means you're taking a step forward because everyone else in the league is also making adjustments to what right. you've shown. So yep. you know adjustments can just be a necessity to stand to, to stand pat, basically. So I, I don't know if you think that's what this is mostly going to look like. Do you think there's a chance the Chiefs defense takes a step forward? How far forward, et cetera? I think there's a pretty good chance that we see the defense that more closely resembles what we saw towards the end of the year last year. And that defense was better than what it was at the beginning of the year, right? It kind of, yeah. and so I, I think they could flirt with top 10. I'm not sure they can do better than that. Um, the Again, it's going to rise Is that and a fall corner on that thing? quarterback group. Yeah, okay. Yep. Yep. Sorry, I interrupted you to ask if it was corners, and you were like, and really, Josh, it's about the corners. Right. So we're, I'll move away. <laughs> um, Go ahead, Seth. Part you, of it, keep, you keep rolling. Yep, yep. Uh, part of it will be health-dependent, too. Um, they weren't really lucky with injuries. You know, they lost some pretty crucial guys. I think they can flirt with a top 10 defense if, if guys stay more healthy this year, especially key guys. You lost Chris Jones for a few games, who is just an unbelievable crucial cog. Frank Clark played mm-hmm. over half the year hurt. You lose Juan Thornhill. Yep. You lost some corners for a while. If they're even like 20% more healthy, or it's just different guys getting hurt, but you've got Jones and Clark healthy all year, I think you're going to see a better defense. Um, I'm not sure how much better they'll be against the run, and I'm not sure how much it'll matter again. But... I mean, I guess we'll yeah. find out. I mean, I think bringing Mike Pinnell back was huge. They they did a really good job addressing personnel issues. I think they've got the personnel to be a top 10 defense. I'm not sure how high in the top 10, though. I uh, I just realized I haven't had to think about people talking about the Chiefs to run defense in like six months, maybe. Really, at least after the Super Bowl, because people were talking about it leading up to the Super Bowl still, so like four months. And it's been so cool to not have to talk about that. <laughs> Like, I got, I got legitimately a little bummed whenever you said that. I was like, oh, God, we're going to have to do that again. Like, really? Because, yeah, yep. I mean. Yep. Uh, well, we can, we can get out of the way right now, though. <sighs> yes, if the Chiefs offense struggles, run defense does matter more. We're admitting it up front, people. If the Chiefs have games where they can only score, you know, 17 points, run defense will matter. It absolutely will. So you take that victory, dear listener, who stands for the run game. I think it improves. I I think it matters only slightly more. But yeah, that, you know, we can (laughs) find our sweet spot there. And also, if the Chiefs offense struggles, um, it's the world's on fire. Like, yes, yes. If the Chiefs, you know what? I'll say it. If the Chiefs offense is bad in 2020, uh, I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl. Okay. I know it's bold, but <laughs> no, it is. was not. I was not leading up to a taser bet. If the chief, you know what? If the Chiefs don't have a top thirty offense in twenty twenty, I'm not doing that either because someone will find a metric and like, no, yeah. that doesn't. Well, and we also count. we still, and this is a good time to remind the listeners. Look, we know we owe you a taser and a it's a ghost pepper, right? Uh, yeah. Yes, yeah. rub straight into your eyes. We, yeah, yeah. We, we know we owe you guys that. We're going to do it when we're together. We're going to. Um, yeah, COVID gonna... got in the way. Another reason to hate COVID. 
Um, yeah, and also, I'm not driving to Minnesota for this, so we'll do it whenever, whenever Seth is down here next time, we'll do it. It might kick off next season. I'm not, look, we're gonna, we're gonna do yes, it. Yes, you're old. I'm this. not, I'm not willing to derail my life in June and July to make it happen. I'm sorry, I'm just not. We will do it. Right. I promise yeah. we'll do it. No, one if reason I, why look, I'm mad if, at if we don't, is- If we don't do it, if we don't do it, I'll take Seth, okay? I like- <laughs> Right. I, I still I still wish that I had said taser and you had said jalapeno, or not jalapeno. Man, jalapeno would be awesome. And, I, and you would be ghost nice, pepper, but that's neither here yeah. nor there. But it's going to happen, people. Yeah. We're not just out here throwing around bets randomly, I promise. Yeah, that's not... And frankly, I've said I'm not making another one until I've paid this one off. So that, which also is probably just, just me being smart and self-preservational. You could just uh, If stop. you want to... Too. If you want to, well, that's also fair. I'll think about it. If you want to read uh, the position by position breakdown that Seth has, again, it's in The Athletic. If you go to theathletic.com slash times hours, T-I-M-E-S-O-U-R-S, uh, you can get 40% off your first year. Also, even if you're just like, you know, I'm still I'm still on the fence, whatever, The Athletic, 40% off your first year. I mean, come on, though. Uh, but you do listen to this podcast, which clearly you do. Leave us a review, especially in Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Um, I expect five stars. If it's four stars, you're like, I really love the show, but I wish it came out more. No, give us five five-star reviews only <laughs> wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you subscribe. Tell somebody about it. And uh, we're going to keep doing these throughout the offseason, I'm hoping, which can only be uh, improved for those chances by the numbers being good, the reviews being good, and uh, you telling people about it. So do that. Check out theathletic.com slash timesars. You can follow us on Twitter. Nate, I mean, I you know, by, at by Nate Taylor, I guess. Or by, sure. yeah, that's, at, that's it. At by Nate Taylor. He just wasn't here today. So, you know. Um, but at Real MN Chiefs fan. Also, Seth has some other, like, little film reviews that have, you've seen some gifts and stuff. We didn't have time to talk about them today. Uh, but there's more stuff there at his Twitter. And I am at JB Briscoe, which is how I value my self-worth. So I wish you would follow me there. You can also tweet about the show or tweet at the show with hashtag times ours. Uh, I think we did it. And Nate's not here. So Seth, you have to do the sign off because I just talked for 64 straight minutes of just nothing but plugs. Whoa. Oh, man. I'm not ready for this kind of responsibility. How does Nate do this? I know. Week Nate's week not. Out? Danielle. Danielle, can you end the show? Danielle, can you do an impression of somebody? <laughs> Show's over. <laughs> <laughs>